what Keep Kids Alive is all about. It's all about preserving relationships. I got to say goodbye to my husband and I promised him that I would take care of our baby and that I would make sure that she was a happy baby and that she would be born into love and light and not tragedy and negativity. And then fast forward two weeks, our daughter Madison Grace was born. And when I held her in my arms, I promised her the same thing I promised my husband, that we would find a way to navigate this life, that we would walk through this life in a way that was good and whole and humble and that she would not be marked by tragedy. Even though people say, oh, I didn't mean to do that or I meant to pay attention. Well, you can't mean to pay attention. There's safety laws for a reason and so we have to be mindful. When we are behind the wheel of our vehicles, we have a lot of responsibility and we need to be mindful so that we don't hurt the people in our vehicles and we don't hurt the people around us. What we want to do is we need to engage with our communities to let them know that those red light safety cameras or that speed camera or that school bus arm, it's for them. It's for them and their community and educate them that nobody wants to give anybody a ticket. Nobody's trying to catch anybody doing something wrong. We want to do something right. Well, welcome listeners to a very special episode of the Keep Kids Alive podcast. I'm Tom Everson, founder and executive director of Keep Kids Alive Drive 25, nonprofit that focuses on traffic safety education in communities across the United States. Our mission is simply to help make streets safer for all who walk, cycle, play, drive, and ride. Obviously, with Keep Kids Alive Drive 25, the number 25 plays a significant role in our mission. I came up with the phrase, Keep Kids Alive Drive 25, while out on a morning run in late July of 1998. And our focal point at that point was simply the observance of speed limit in residential zones. We've expanded out into many, many other campaigns since that time. But what makes that number 25 all the more special this month in our interview with Melissa Wandel is that this is the 25th episode of the Keep Kids Alive podcast. We began in early 2020 and are so pleased that we have been able to help to educate and engage communities and individuals across the country in traffic safety efforts through the Keep Kids Alive podcast. So thank you for listening in and we look forward to our conversation with Melissa Wandel. She's the president of the National Coalition for Safer Roads. She's an active road safety and children in grief advocate. And since uh, 2003, her advocacy and educational efforts have been fueled by the love and spirit of her husband, Mark, who we will learn more about in our conversation. So we look forward to a wide-ranging conversation on the many facets of her mission-driven service in addressing traffic safety challenges throughout the U.S. So welcome, Melissa. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here with you today. I'm grateful that you were able to accept our invitation to be on the Keep Kids Alive podcast. I always like to start out with a little bit of background, maybe about you and uh, sharing about Mark and your story and uh, how that came to lead to the mission that you've been on for the last 19 years. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And I respect everything that you do as well. It's just so wonderful that we can have advocates all over this country are working to really try to, I'd say, drive down heartache on our roadways. It's so important. My husband and I were married in 2002 and building a new home and expecting our first baby. We're very grateful to meet one another. Certainly the love of each other's lives waited to find each other. So it was just a, it was a really good fit. We were best friends and really excited to share our life together. And in October of 2003, we had been married a year and five days and uh, we were nine months pregnant. And my brother had come to visit us for a while. We had this new home and we had the extra room. He's from upstate New York where we grew up. And uh, he came down for a little bit to see if he wanted to live in Florida. He and my husband had become very close friends. So he came down and we had all decided that we were going to go out to dinner that night. 
So I live in Florida and I would drive this big Skyway Bridge every day. People that know Florida know the Skyway Bridge. It's huge. And um, my husband, being nine months pregnant, my husband just would always say, please, Melissa, it's time to work out of home. Um, it's just too much for me to take with you driving over that bridge every day. Um, it just worries me. And so I was going to surprise him that day by letting him know that I had sealed everything up at work, did what I needed to do and was ready to work from home. And I called him from work and said, Hey, you want to go out and get a bite to eat tonight? And he said, Oh my God, that would be great. You haven't wanted to go out to eat in so long, you know, uh, being pregnant. I just didn't want to go to restaurants or smell the food. That secret women club that those not so pleasant things that you experience during your pregnancy sometime. So he was so excited. And um, I got home and I didn't feel good. And I just told him, I said, hey, you and Phil are going to have to go out to eat, you know, and when you get back, we'll spend time together. And he just was so disappointed. And he said, but I love you, Melissa, and I'm going to miss you. And I said, well, I'm going to miss you too, but I'll see you in a little bit. And uh, he and my brother went out to get a quick bite to eat and they were on their way home. And I received that call, that call that people just don't want to receive, that there had been a crash. Just a mile from our home and that didn't look like my husband was going to make it. And my brother was seriously injured. So my brother, the driver, my husband, the passenger, they were stopped at a red light. The left arrow turned green for my brother to proceed through the intersection. And when he did, a motorist traveling anywhere from 48 to 52 miles an hour ran the light. The light had been red for half a mile t-boned my brother's vehicle in truly ending my husband's life right there on impact. And so these things that you remember every single day of your life, I remember getting that phone call and I remember hopping in my car and just pleading with God, you know, not now, God, please, please, God, do not take him, not now. And when I got to the, the corner, there was just lights and sirens everywhere and the world just stopped. But I had this piece about me that I will never be able to explain, only that it was God's grace surrounding me at that time, because I knew full well that if I didn't take care of myself being nine months pregnant and walking into that whole situation, that they would probably remove me from it. And so I just really needed to have the wherewithal to make sure that, that I was keenly aware of my health. And then also just when I got to the scene, they were working on my husband and they just said that they were working on him. And, you know, I heard these, these cries, these, these other cries, my husband was six, two, my brother, six, four, my brother was in the ambulance and he was just screaming. I mean, just screaming. And he was just asking, is Mark okay? Is he okay? And I said, I'll go back. I'll find out. And that's when they had pronounced him right there at the scene. And one of the hardest things I ever had to do was to turn around, go back to that ambulance and tell my brother who was the driver that my husband did not make it. So the beautiful thing about that moment is I got to say goodbye to my husband. They allowed me the opportunity to say goodbye. And I promised him that I would take care of our baby. And that I would make sure that she was a happy baby and that she would be born into love and light and not tragedy and negativity. And that whatever happened that night, that we would make a reason for what happened in a positive and loving way. And then fast forward two weeks, our daughter, Madison Grace, was born. And when I held her in my arms, I promised her the same thing I promised my husband, that we would find a way to navigate this life, that we would walk through this life in a way that was good and whole and humble and that she would not be marked by tragedy and that we would not make a negative moment, a negative life out of that moment. Because in that moment, a choice was made and a life was taken. So it was very real, you know, very, very real. And I can talk about it and I can see that evening unfold before me, you know, 18 years later, every single time you know, I talk about it. So moving forward, we went to court because this driver had run a red light. 
Their last offense was for running a red light and being ticketed for it. Now they not only took a ticket, they took a life. They had 10 points on their license, seven previous violations. The motorist had a child in the backseat of the car, a five-year-old child that, thank God, was in a safety seat. But, you know, nobody wins, not the victim, and which is not me, which is my brother and my husband, um, and not the violator. She had a record, and that record was given to try to help her to understand the value of life and how, if she would just make better choices, right, and drive safely, then nobody would get hurt. But unfortunately, she made the decision to keep making these choices, and ultimately, my husband lost his life. And my brother lost his emotional life. He is physically disabled. He walks with a cane. He's 49 years old. He was addicted to opioids for years. He is emotionally debilitated and he can't function in life because of this crash. So it's not always just about the people that lose their lives, but the survivors we have walking around that just can't make sense of it and can't live. From that moment on, no matter how many times people tell them that it wasn't their fault. So we have an epidemic on our roadways, and it was very important to me to try to find a way to curb the behaviors of red light running. Wow. Uh, you know, just listening to your uh, your story and in starting out our, our conversation, you know, certainly I, I'm feeling a lot myself, as I'm sure that our listeners are as well. To me, uh, such a mix of, of incredible grace and incredible love in the midst of tragedy. And I'm reminded, too, that so often uh, people don't recognize that crashes, every one that affect our lives in some way, shape, or form, whether we consider a minor incident or, or a major crash, so often they happen close to home. When we think about our own behaviors, and how important it is to observe every one of the rules of the road, whether it's to stop at a stop sign, to have our seatbelts on, to pay attention to traffic signals, to pay attention to speed limits, that all those are behaviors that we, we have in our control to make decisions about and uh, to realize how important that is, too. And, too, when you mentioned about, you know, the number of points that this driver had accrued on her uh, license, you know, every one of them meant to hopefully help to teach a lesson and to mold some behavior, but to recognize too that I always like to say that every good traffic law at its heart has the preservation of life and relationships, that that's what it's really all about. That laws, to, to me, they don't set out to be punitive if they're going to be, you know, healthy and hopeful for all of us as citizens, but they're, they're meant to help preserve those relationships that mean the most to us. I agree with you 100%. Safety laws, they're called safety laws for a reason, and it's to keep all of us safe, right? To keep our, our loved ones safe, um, to keep our fellow colleagues safe, to keep our family and friends safe, to keep the, our fellow people on the road safe, you know, whether we're biking, we're walking, we're on a motorcycle, or we're in our vehicle. And so for me, people are breaking safety laws, and they're not paying attention to those laws. They're not looking at it that way. Even though people say, oh, I didn't mean to do that, or I meant to pay attention. Well, you can't mean to pay attention. There's safety laws for a reason, and so we have to be mindful. When we're behind the, the wheel of our vehicles, you know, we have a lot of responsibility, and we need to be mindful so that we don't hurt the people in our vehicles, and we don't hurt the people around us. It is our responsibility in this life is to take care of the people around us when we're driving our vehicles. You know, or if we're walking and we have to be responsible and obey all of those safety laws or bicycling, you know, here in Florida, a bicyclist is a vehicle. So you have to make sure that you obey all of the safety laws. You know, for me, it was like, why are people breaking safety laws? You know, because people are dying and people are being seriously injured. So what can we do with that? And for me, it was about finding a way to curb the behaviors of red light running. So I started researching around the country. What are people doing? How are they helping people to obey these safety laws that they should already be obeying? And it was the red light safety cameras. And as we know, the red light safety cameras all over this country, it's just you open up your mouth and people either love them or they hate them because they think that they're a violation of privacy. But what about the privacy in my home? Somebody disobeyed a traffic signal. 
and took my husband's life. You know, my daughter will never have a father and my brother will never be able to get his emotional life back. You know, those pieces are broken for so many people on so many levels. So how can we curb the behaviors of red light running? And so I started researching the red light safety cameras and how they work and why they work and what was a good working program. You know, why throw a program out there just because you want to memorialize somebody? You know, let's not do that. Let's really research it. Let's dig into it because I can have compassion all day long, but I need to have that sincere, authentic knowledge because if I don't, the politicians, the reporters, they'll eat you up in a second. You know, you really need to know your stuff and why you're doing it. And at the end of the day, I started working with people uh, with some lobbyists, with other advocates, um, with representatives and senators in Florida, you know, talking to them about red light running and letting them know that there is a problem and that people are dying and people are being seriously injured. And we can prevent that and we can curb those behaviors and save lives in a multitude of ways. And so for five years of education and outreach, I would speak at churches, I would speak Rotary clubs, I would speak anywhere where I could get to people. And it was incredible because so many people said, I didn't really know that people die because of red light runners. You know, they're like, I always thought it was just, oops, it almost happens. But no, it doesn't, oops, almost happens. It unfortunately happens daily. And so started researching this bill and we passed the Mark Wandel Traffic Safety Act, May 13th of 2010, that would allow the red light safety cameras to be present in municipalities that needed to utilize them in the state of Florida. So you're not saying you have to put red light safety cameras up at intersections, but they're saying, hey, we have you have our blessing. If you show that you do have a problem at your intersection, why don't you put these red light safety cameras up? Because it's red light safety cameras, engineering, law enforcement, advocacy, education. It takes a combination of things and people to be able to curb the behaviors of red light running and save lives. It's not just one thing. And so, you know, 2010, the bill passed and every year since the bill has been under repeal, but the bill is a very good working bill. We give $10 per ticket to the 22 level one trauma centers in the state of Florida, $3 per ticket to the Miami project to cure paralysis. And it's $158 fine. Doesn't go into your insurance company. No points are assessed on your license. And if you were not driving your vehicle, somebody else was driving it, then they sign an affidavit saying, I was not driving my vehicle at the time and the other person pays it. So it truly is just an aid. And there's signage. There's signage where there are red light safety cameras to say you're about to enter an intersection where you will be photographed. So that was one of the first things because when we went to traffic court, this woman received a $500 fine in community service. And of course, I didn't want her to go to jail. She had two small children and going to jail was not going to do anything for her. But it was truly knowing our laws are so flawed. We need to do something more than trying to pass like laws to, you know, to slap people on the hands because it's never going to happen. It took so long for our drinking and driving or drug laws it took so long for them, but for a red light running, they really believe that people don't mean to run a red light. Um, and if they kill somebody, it's kind of an oopsie. And so there's just other measures and other ways um, that we can work together to curb those behaviors. So that was one of the things that I did was to be able to curb those behaviors by passing this bill in the state of Florida. Well, it gives me pause to think of a couple of things. You know, one is I know that it's it's an incredible challenge to both introduce and then, you know, finally enact legislation. So that's quite an accomplishment in and of itself. I know that uh, with Keep Kids Alive Drive 25, we were involved with a legislative change in the state of Texas that allowed municipalities to lower their speed limits in uh, residential zones without having to do extensive traffic engineering studies to justify the need to do so. And you had mentioned, you know, about the need to do your research. Because that was back in 2005, and I I testified on behalf of it. But the key piece of research, and sometimes you really have to mine these nuggets, because, you know, I came across a study of police uh, reported 
quote unquote accidents. Uh, I don't use the mm-hmm. word accident. Right. No, incident, crashes. Yes, yes. And so, but it, it demonstrated that there was a threefold increase in the number of pedestrian deaths in uh, 30 mile an hour zones versus 25 mile an hour zones. That ended up being the key piece of data that helped move the Transportation Committee to get the bill onto the floor. And eventually it, it was signed into law and freed up communities in Texas to be able to have more flexibility in being able to address uh, speed issues on their uh, residential streets. But at the same time, look at how do we, with Keep Kids Alive Drive 25, is to engage communities in a campaign you know, to help educate towards that. And oftentimes the, the word obedience is not one that people easily embrace. But, uh, you know, for me, I, I, love, I love to get to the word roots. You know, what is the word origin of the word obedience, which has Latin word roots, which simply mean to listen and then to act upon what you have listened to. You know, to me, it's, it's not a matter of well, how we, can we find ways to be punitive but uh, through our laws. But, you know, if we really listen to the intent of the law and then act accordingly, then to me, our lives will be so much better, which should be incentive enough in and of itself. But also the residual effect of that is that uh, other people's life become better because they're not negatively affected by our behavior. So it's that mindfulness that we're talking about, like you said, you know, and again, I love your thought process because it's it's really getting to the root of why we like pay attention on our roadways, why we take care of each other on our, our roadways. And because we just don't want any more tragedy for families. Life can be hard enough, mm-hmm. but you throw a car crash into it or a, a pedestrian is hit or a bicyclist or a motorcyclist. And it just, you know, it debilitates people mm-hmm. on such a high level. And that when you look at how many people die every year on our roadways, you'll see if, you know, taking those car crashes away and getting to zero would why it would benefit us, not just physically, but emotionally. I wanted to ask about the National Coalition for Safer Roads. You know, how did that come to be and what kind of advocacy work are you doing with the coalition? Yes, thank you so much. So after passing the bill in Tallahassee with a bunch of people in the state of Florida and outside of Florida, I learned from so many people, had so many great mentors. The National Coalition for Safer Roads was formed by other people, but then they brought me in because the National Coalition, we support survivor advocates and give them the tools and resources needed to end road violence in their communities. Our biggest thing is We educate and encourage uh, red light, speed, and school bus arm safety cameras in order to help our communities to be safer because they all work. Speed safety cameras are doing amazing things around this country. So aren't school bus stop arms as well as red light safety cameras. So at the National Coalition for Safer Roads, we support those advocates around the country that are doing that. Years ago, I was able, when New York City was first starting to implement their speed camera, program is able to go to Albany with them and work with some of the young kids and be able to help them advocate and teach them how to advocate. It was very, very cool to be able to be a part of that. And, you know, New York City is one of the biggest states now where you look at and see all the good that has come out because of advocacy. So we support advocates around this country. And, you know, we're trying to pass a speed camera bill right here in the state of Florida right now. But I'm not sure that's going to go where it needs to go this year, but we'll continue to do so. But being with the National Coalition for Safer Roads then also led me to do work with the state of Florida, which is a pedestrian and bicyclist initiative. And it's aimed to keep the bicyclists and the pedestrians safe and to also make our roadways, uh, you know, that safe systems approach where we can have bicyclists, motorists, pedestrians and motorcyclists equally share our roadways. And so the National Coalition for Safer Roads and Alert Today Florida, I just kind of merged them together. They're two separate organizations, but I work with both of them in the state of Florida and around the country. So I feel so grateful that 
have really been embraced by a lot of advocates and people in the field that allow me to utilize my voice for change. What are some of the things that have contributed to successes that you've experienced uh, over the years? Um, you know what, truly, it's just being in on that knowledge. It's just being in with uh, learning from other people, never thinking that I can do everything myself, never thinking that my way is the only way, but learning from people. Every day I learn from new advocates and older advocates. You know, I look at to the traffic companies, Vera Mobility is like a really good camera company that I've been able to just resource myself with because, you know, even with my husband's bill, if the bill didn't work, I would be the first person to scratch his name off it because I have a foundation to memorialize my husband. The Mark Wandel Traffic Safety Act out of Florida truly is his life-saving legacy, but it's like, I need to be in the know. I need to keep up on the knowledge of speed cameras, school bus arm, um, and red light safety cameras you know, working with like GHSA, the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, Advocates for Auto and Highway Safety, just working with everybody, National Safety Council, to really um, educate myself on what I'm doing and never put myself out there in any way of, you know, being the one to know all. It's about working with other people because that's the only way we're going to get to where we need to get is by working together. So I think the greatest success is just to be authentic with people. When you don't know something, say it. They teach me. I don't know how to do that. Teach me how to do that or work with me or, you know, being able to do this for the last, truly the last 16 years more than anything and being able to work with the same people in this industry that have so much passion and relying on other people to help with, you know, your missions and your initiatives. I think it's really important. I think we need to repurpose things that are being done around this country there's good, just like I say, when somebody's looking for a camera program, well, don't just throw a camera program out there. Look to the state of Florida. Look at how hard we've worked. Mirror that program. You know, come to us. Let me know how I can help. And then I'll let you know how you can help me because we all, at the end of the day, have the same goal is we want zero traffic deaths and zero, zero serious injuries on our roadways. We don't want to see that heartache in our homes. We don't want to see that heartache in our communities and around our country. And if we can curb that, then the biggest takeaway I've had is just working together with other people. I think too, uh, I know from my experience with working uh, with grassroots initiatives, how important it is to listen to people at the grassroots level, that so often they are very aware of what the problems are and they wanna be involved in the process of helping to solve those problems as well. I know I'm working on a couple of initiatives in Detroit and Phoenix right now that it has just been a great learning experience for me to see the kind of ideas that grow from the ground up that are creative and imaginative and engage so many partners in the process so that the community really becomes the owner of what happens. And so, you know, I think about that, you know, when questions about are we going to institute a, a speed camera or a red light camera program of the importance of engaging the community in that effort so that they can see the benefit and can name the benefits for themselves and become advocates in the process of uh, initiating anything new? I think that's one of the one of the big challenges of maybe all of us as human beings is that uh, change is a very scary word. <laughs> oh, and, yes. Yeah. And yes. when I think about that, you know, what are some of the challenges that you've come up against as you've done your work over these uh, last couple of decades? Sure. And I'm glad. And one thing I want to say about what you were talking about with engaging our communities, it's so important. And that's one of the challenges is engaging our communities. I can engage our community all day and I can work to engage our policymakers. Our policymakers, number one, have been the biggest challenge because moving into trying to curb the behaviors on the roadways, a lot of times they don't see that there's an issue. So you have to tell them over and over and over again what that issue is. And then a lot of times they always say, well, you know what? Our constituents do not like what you're doing. Our constituents don't like this type of advocacy. Well, it's up to our policymakers to talk to their constituents you know what, wherever these cameras are placed in the state of Florida or around this country, they're placed in an area where people are dying every day and being seriously injured and killed. So what we want to do is we need to engage with our communities to let them know that those 
red light safety cameras or that speed camera or that school bus arm. It's for them. It's for them and their community and educate them that nobody wants to give anybody a ticket. Nobody's trying to catch anybody doing something wrong. We want to do something right. We want to save lives. So I think that one of the biggest challenges that, you know, I can talk to the policymakers all day long about talking to their specific constituents instead of the policymakers saying, well, no, my constituent doesn't like that. Well, the constituent doesn't know about it. All they think is they're being caught doing something wrong and they're going to be fined and they can't afford it. But really, it couldn't be any farther than the truth. We want to stop these behaviors so that we can save lives. I think that's the challenge of Vision Zero uh, efforts uh, throughout the country as well, is that as coordinators uh, come on board, and here in Omaha, we uh, are about a year into having hired our first Vision Zero coordinator, but there's such a tremendous task for these coordinators to really reach out to and engage, because I think also, also is for me, along with education comes engagement. You know, is yes. that is to is to engage the community in recognizing that if we're going to get to Vision Zero, we have to be engaged actively in the effort. You know that it. You know that our behaviors matter as well as the way that streets are designed. You know all the factors that come into play that can contribute to a crash and the severity of that crash as as well. That's a lot of people to bring together and a lot of conversations to to have. And a lot of listening to, to have happen, too, because uh, I think oftentimes people who are most frustrated, say, when they go to a public meeting or a public hearing, the frustration oftentimes is born out of not being a part of uh, or not being listened to. And so sometimes it can come out in very exasperated ways. But, you know, for me, for if I'm facilitating a, a process like that, it's like, okay, what this person is really saying is that they are, they haven't been engaged yet. Right. How can we go about tapping into their passion and their commitment to bring them onto the team so that we can benefit from their concerns as opposed to just dismissing or creating right. an ongoing debate that goes nowhere? So some good things are happening actually here in Florida. So Billy Hathaway used to be this. Uh, he was one of the secretaries for Florida Department of Transportation. Then he was director of transportation for Orlando, and then he is now consulting. And he and his colleague, Catherine, have gone to, and I get to go with them. I, I feel so blessed. So they're doing internal conversations about Vision Zero with the Florida Department of Transportation. So they're starting in each district, and they did three sessions for three weeks, talked to FDOT um, internal employees, talked to them about Vision Zero, why it works and how it works how to engage people because the Florida Department of Transportation, they have all the town meetings, right? They're telling everybody about what's happening out on the streets and people come. That's when their community comes. The community comes to those town hall meetings. Now we've equipped these internal employees at the Florida Department of Transportation to have those conversations at their town hall meetings on why it's important and how the community can engage. And those conversations are happening here. It's pretty incredible. And, and I'm so grateful that I've gotten to be privy to share my story because I share the human side of why we do what we do, of course. And I think a lot of times people fear things they don't know, or people think that they're hearing something fancy. Oh, zero. Yeah, you're never going to get to zero. Well, we're not going to get to zero if we don't try. The important thing is that we all have to work together. We have to communicate and we have to share our knowledge, to share our knowledge no matter where that community is. And people are always going to yell. People are going to scream. People are not going to like what anybody's doing. Like in Florida, they're target zero. They've taken the initiative to say, we believe that we can cut down, we can drive down heartache in the state of Florida. Then they're doing what they need to do to reach their internal people. And then their internal people in turn reach their communities. It's a really good thing that's happening here in the state. And for our listeners, if you're not familiar with Vision Zero or Target Zero, the goal of, of these initiatives is to reduce traffic deaths and serious injuries to zero. It's the only acceptable number. And as Melissa could certainly attest to, would want a loved one to die. And if our own family members and friends mean that much to us, we need to recognize that everyone's family and friends mean that much to them. And so we need to be part of this effort to focus on zero 
it's the only acceptable result or the only acceptable goal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's a safe systems approach. And it's basically saying that humans make mistakes every day. Mm -hmm. So how can we all be a part of the solution? Humans are going to make mistakes, but let's not let them be deadly mistakes or serious injury mistakes. We're, you know, working together to, again, to drive down heartache on our roadways. And that's what Zero does. Hey, Melissa, I'd like to invite you to talk a little bit more about a safe systems approach for maybe for our listeners who are not familiar with that. Yeah, it's just basically saying that what a safe systems approach is, is that that's how we will get to zero. That's about our roadways. It's how we design our roadways. It's how we are pedestrians and bicyclists and motorcyclists, how we drive our vehicles. It's about the car companies being able to make vehicles that can be safer on our roadways. So the safe systems approach is just a, it's a multi-approach from all partners to be able to say, this is how we're going to get to zero. And may, maybe all of us could think about some, you know, advancements in technology that have benefited us all. I mean, for example, you know, cars that have been produced more recently have backup cameras on them. So, you know, that's one bit way that technology, you know, helps us to be more alert and aware and to adjust our behavior accordingly and maybe even be thinking about that, you know, before we even get into the, the vehicle. Yeah, absolutely. And here's the, here is the piece that we need to be mindful of is that not everybody are going to be able to afford those vehicles, right? So, and that's the reason why. So we have that, which is great, but for the people that really can't, you know, that's why our, the states are working um, on the roadway design you know, making the roadway safer so that we can have pedestrians, bicyclists, motorcyclists, and motorists all on the roads together. And hopefully we'll all see the benefits for that with the new uh, infrastructure money that will be coming out to states to address, you know, some of these very real concerns that will help to create safer environments for the benefit of everybody. Absolutely. And again, I think it's just like I was talking about the red light safety program, the Vision Zero or Target Zero, Road to Zero, they're all one in the same. They all mean the same. But if somebody in, in a community has adopted Vision Zero, then look to that community that's doing a really good job and repurpose. Don't try to reinvent the wheel because it's a lot, a lot, a lot of work. So if we work together to share those resources, you know, I mean, Vision Zero Network, you know, has on there how to, you know, how to start your program. Um, let's try not to do anything fancy. Let's just follow what the, the research has already been done. And you're right. We've got the federal aid now. So let's make sure to use, to utilize that money in a really good way to be able to, to help our states be safer so that we can save lives. Well, Melissa, I wanted to ask you a little bit about Mark's Foundation and the work that you do with that and how that brings good into the world. Thank you so much. Yes. So this is how we memorialize Mark and honor my daughter, Madison, who was born two weeks after this crash, is that so the Mark Wandel Foundation, we connect and empower children, teens, and young adults that have had a parent, sibling, or guardian die. It doesn't matter whether it's car crash, suicide, heart, it's about bringing them all together in the state of Florida to be able to connect them, to let them know that they're not alone. Grief isolates us all. It, it, it isolates us as adults. It isolates us as children. My sister died when she was 15. I was 13. My brother was seven. She died of cancer. And I know how isolating it was and how just everybody thought that they would catch it, right? My brother went one way with it and I went another way with it. So when my daughter was born after this crash, I wanted her to have a space to honor her and to honor kids just like her who would lose a parent. I don't want to say lost because you tell a kid that they've lost their parent and not kidding you. Somebody will say, well, where'd they go? Mm -hmm. You know, they died. They died. And so being able to educate and encourage these families to stick together, letting them know they have hope bringing them together. We have every month we have, it's called prospect horse therapy. So we bring the kids together for horse therapy. Most of my kids are boys. They're like 12 and 13 years old. 
They don't even know that they're getting grief therapy out of being on these horses. They just know that they're with other kids who have had a parent, um, sibling or guardian die. We have a camp that's coming up April 8th through the 10th in Central Florida. We can usually only take 50 kids just because it's about $1,200 per child. And then we also have bigs, which are, we have volunteers. Each child gets a big to be with them for the entire weekend. It's incredible because the, the kids are ages 7 to 17, 18 if they're still in high school. Then we also have a young adult program, 18 to 25. And we can take 12, 18 to 25 year olds and the seven to 17 or 18 if they're still in high school. Really, all we can afford to take is 50, but I've been taking about 62 and I still have 17 kids on a wait list. It's such a great weekend because the kids are together Friday through Sunday. They get to experience high ropes course, which teaches them so much about boundaries. They have grief sessions, which is called challenge by choice. If they want to talk about their loss, they can. If they don't want to, they don't have to. But one kiddo talks about it. The other one does. They go around the whole room. We have an amazing bonfire on Saturday night where the kids get to write a letter to their loved one and honor them. And it kind of, and then they put it into the fire, which is incredible. And then on Sunday, we have um, most kids do not get to be a part of the memorial service or pick what they want that memorial service to look like. And so our kids get to pick that throughout the weekend. They're seeing what they can do. Some kids sing a song. I had a little girl one time that had a fishing pole. She was three when her dad died, but she still remembers fishing with him all the time. So she got up on stage and just said, and she, by this point, she was 10 and she, so it had been seven years and she honored her dad by having a fishing pole and just pretending that she was fishing and just saying how, you know, that just, that meant so much to her in her life. Um, and that's how she fondly remembers her dad. So it's incredible. And, and these kids love it. So then we take these kids and then we reconnect them. Sometimes we'll do like a barbecue and a kickball game, but we, we keep them together for me. Um, kids, you know, I'm I get that kids can go on their cell phones. They can keep in touch with each other that way. I'm really a C person. I like that eye to eye contact. I like our kids to be able to be together. Sometimes these parents are so devastated and they're tired because they're raising sometimes two and three kids. Um, so they can't get these kids together. So it's me and my team, we plan these reconnects. We plan these outings so that we can get these families together so that they can continue. Not only um, the kids can be together, but now the whole families start taking care of one another. So it's, it's just a beautiful tribute to Mark and it honors Madison because she has no idea who her dad is or who he would have been in this life, you know? And so there's other kids in this environment now that are the same as her. And now Madison is for the last three years, she actually has been a mentor and has a kiddo of her own each year that she mentors for the weekends. It's so fulfilling and it's so wonderful. And it's getting these kids to say, it's okay if you're angry, it's okay if you're sad, it's okay to share your story. It's okay not to share your story. And if you're angry, let's do it in a positive way. Let's find a way to take that anger out. But it's also okay to say I'm sad and it's also okay to laugh. And that's the biggest thing about my foundation. It's teaching kids and families that it's okay to be happy. And it's also there to support so that they don't have to be alone. Again, grief is isolating. It's very hard in our homes. So who can we reach out to on a daily basis? We have tons of people now that are connected to this foundation. We just need more money to have a second camp because, you know, you have this camp and it's beautiful, but I think about the 17 kids plus that are on a wait list that won't make it this year. And it goes another year without helping those specific kids that need it the most. So we just need a second camp here in Florida. It would help us greatly, but funding is a huge issue for a small foundation. Well, it certainly does my heart good to hear you share those stories. And, you know, when I think about that fishing pole, it, it's just such a powerful story. And uh, I'm so grateful that you've put your energy into, uh, you know, a very special piece of your mission. I mean, it certainly keeps Mark's love alive in so many tangible ways. And, uh, you know, I'm just grateful that you're doing that. I have to admit Wow. <laughs> All the things that you're involved in and, uh, you know, the scope of your work, uh, not only in Florida, but throughout the country, 
and in connecting with families and how powerful that is. I know here with uh, Keep Kids Alive, we have an initiative called Live Forward that focuses on supporting families and bringing good into the world, and not in a particular specific way, uh, but in whatever way that they they choose that would best uh, honor their loved one. You certainly have done that and continue to do that with Mark. Yeah, you know, I'm so grateful. I'm I'm so grateful to God for the love that I was given. And I needed to find a way. Mark will physically never be in, in my life, right? And will not be in this home. So sometimes people think that I'm pining, but I'm not pining away. I'm grateful for the love every day. So I needed to do something with it. And I continue to do something with it today. You know, even my sister is in my foundation. You know, my sister taught me so much about love and for being 15 and having cancer for five years and just being like loving life every single solitary day and then learning so much from her and then losing my husband. I knew that I could take that love from both of them and continue to move forward and make a way. It doesn't look pretty. It doesn't look pretty on paper do the best I can every day. I fail every day. (laughs) You know, I fail every day, but I have love every day. And I step into love every day because I believe when you step into love, it'll move you through your most defining moment. And that's just what I want for everybody to know, no matter whether it's a traffic crash or, you know, you lose somebody or you lose a job or you just can't make it. Your anxiety takes over your day, you know, just step into love because love will find a way to move you through your most defining moments. And I hope in this life that that's what I can do for people, that I can help them to know that love is all around us every single moment of every day. And if we step into it, the things that can happen and the people that can come around, because I haven't done all this stuff by myself. This has been a a countrywide effort, you know, not just my family and friends, but colleagues and so many people, you, you know, you've brought me in today to be able to share life and love and loss and hope, you know, hope in action. You brought me in there for this today. So we all just have to keep working together and do the best that we can every day. And when we do that, we'll get to zero. We will save lives and we will drive down heartache in our homes um, across the USA and beyond, I hope. Well, I have, I have two questions. Mark had a spark. <laughs> He had to have a spark. And, uh, you know, if we were to kind of distill that spark down to, you know, what is that spark that has just spawned so much good in your life and in the lives of others? I, I, it's just God. I have a huge faith in God and I wouldn't be here today without my faith. So, and yes, Mark was beautiful. He taught me so much about love and life and the fact that he never got to be a parent. I mean, I was pregnant and I was like, I'm, I'm ready for the end result. Right. And I wanted to be a mom, but he wanted to be a dad more than I wanted to be a mom. And my daughter will never know that she'll never get to see the side of that. So for me, it's about showing love in a different way and, and taking that love that he did give me. But honestly, people can say whatever they want to say, but it's my faith in God that has gotten me to where I am today. Well, we can literally thank God for that. Yes, yes, (laughs) yeah, it really is. I want to invite our listeners, you know, if you're in a position to help support your mission and, you know, maybe in particular the Mark Wandel Foundation and your work with children and grief, how can folks go about doing that? Well, first of all, everybody can go to melissawandeladvocate.com. MelissaWandelAdvocate.com and be able to, all my organizations are on that site. That's my site. I'm also a speaker. I speak all over the country from highway safety to life insurance. So it's really important. There's so much information on there. So MelissaWandelAdvocate.com and then you can click on the Mark Wandel Foundation. You could click on the National Coalition for Safer Roads, Alert Today Florida, anything that you're interested in, or simply reach out to me, melissa at melissawandle.com, W-A-N-D-A-L-L.com, melissa at melissawandle.com. And to comment or ask me any questions, or I always love support with the foundation. You know, when you run a nonprofit and you need funding for kids in grief, it really is. A lot of times people say, well, 
why are they broken? You know, are they broken? Why would you support children in grief? And truly, uh, if we don't get these kids when this happens, then they turn into doing things to themselves and other people that just is not healthy. So supporting the foundation is really wonderful. And if anybody has any resources, funding resources for me, it's always great because it's not for me. I do not receive a paycheck out of my foundation. It is completely nonprofit. All of our funding goes to our families and our programming. Nobody in the families will ever have to pay for any of our services at the Mark Wando Foundation. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for all you're doing and will continue to do. You know, I, I did want to comment too. Uh, I mean, Madison's middle name is, it says it all. You know? It does. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's been such a grace to be able to have this conversation and uh, the grace that, you know, visits all of those whom you uh, affect in your, your work and carrying out your mission. And uh, I'm grateful for that. And I do hope that, uh, you know, some of our listeners, if not many of our listeners, will connect with you in some way, shape, or form and help to continue to move things forward. So thank you very much. Thank you so much. And always advocate. Everybody can do it. If I can do it, anybody can. So thank you so much, Tom, for everything that you do for people all over this country. You know, your advocacy matters. And I'm just grateful that you connected with me. And I'm so honored. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk with you today. Well, thank you. Thank you, Melissa. And for those of you who'd be interested in uh, more information about Keep Kids Alive Drive 25, our website's keepkidsalivedrive25.org. Or if you want the shortened version, it's just kkad25.org, and that'll get you to the same place. And we'd love to hear from you to work on grassroots traffic safety initiatives wherever you live. Please visit kkad25.org to find out how you can support Keep Kids Alive Drive 25. And get involved by following on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Remember, it's about kids. It's about safety. It's about caring. It's about time.